Welcome to Ape TV on Spotify. I'm your host, Chimp and Chip, the genius ape of BSC. With me today is Miro from Jet Fuel and Fortress. Miro, welcome back. Hey, Chip. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's been a couple months, so I'm excited to be back on the show. It has. It's actually, it's been about four months and a lot has transpired since. So in our previous episode, um, we, you know, te- technical difficulties aside, we were talking about the coming launch of Fortress. So four months have gone by. I would love to get an update on Fortress. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for all those who don't know um, about Jet Fuel, basically our vision was to create a, a one-stop shop for the, for the DeFi user because we saw the, the market was fairly fragmented where you would go one place for yield optimizer to one place for a swap, one place to do lending and borrowing, whatever. Uh, so our goal was to build all those products for, for, the, for the user and then they can come to one spot and have a, a trusted, safe, audited environment to do basically whatever they, they want to do for, for DeFi. Uh, so back in April, uh, we launched our Fortress Lending. It is a Venus fork. So that allows users to supply their assets to the protocol and then they can earn interest. So if, if they supply BNB or USDC or BTC, they'll be get paid interest in that, in that, in that token. And then they also earn the FTS token, which is our governance token. And on the flip side, uh, they can borrow against their assets too. So they can supply BTC and then they can borrow USDC and like do like whatever they, they want to do with that token. And while they're borrowing, they are paying interest, but they, they're earning the FTS token. So in most cases, you can borrow and actually get paid to borrow. So uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not like you're losing money to borrow money. You're actually getting paid to borrow money, which is great. Um, it's rare. So, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's very been, rare. <laughs> it's been it's been pretty cool. Uh, so you know we've been working really hard on Fortress since we launched it back in back in April. Uh, we had a really successful IJO. We, we raised two million dollars. Uh, it was a, a forty-eight hour basically like overflow sale, and we were way o- over the the, the two million dollar limit, which was great. Um, you know, we've been consistently, um, over $20 million TVL since we started. Uh, there was a, a period of time where we were, we were over 100 million. Um, but we're really thrilled to announce that as of last week, as of, um, Friday, August 6th, uh, we launched governance. So that gives control from our team to the community and, and FTS holders. So, uh, if you hold FTS, you can vote on, on proposals, you can make proposals, and you can really dictate the future of, of the platform. Um, so the, the first proposal is transferring um, all the contracts to TimeLock, which is governed by Governor Alpha. Um, so basically, uh, what happens next is up to FTS holders. Mm, very exciting. So <clears throat> you have the rollout of the lending protocol itself, which is working people are borrowing and people are supplying and now you have the added element of governance involved. So that's quite a lot. And uh, it's a lot to roll out within four months. <laughs> I know I could speak, you know, from personal uh, experience on the ApeSwap side of things like governance is, it doesn't sound like this big like element to the project, but it's, it's very, very hard and it's very, very challenging to implement in a fair way. So how did you guys come up with your approach for your governance model? Great question. So 
Um, you know, as I've said on previous podcasts and, and interviews, uh, you know, JetSwap takes a or, or JetFuel fortress, you know, our, our, <laughs> our, whole, our whole ecosystem. Uh, we, we take a, a pretty conservative approach to our development. Um, we don't necessarily want to be the first to roll something out just because in this, in this DeFi landscape, there are so many exploits and there's so many bad actors that are looking for that in to basically screw up whatever you've, you've built. So mm-hmm. um, our approach is, is to kind of watch to see what people do, what works best, and then adopt that for our project. Um, so we ended up using the, the same sort of governance model as, as Venus. Um, so for us, uh, if you want to propose a proposal, you need to have at least 100,000 FTS tokens in your wallet and put those up for voting power. Um, and then a proposal is executed when you have a quorum of 400,000 FTS voting for that proposal. Mm-hmm. Um, and some users might complain like, oh, we, they waited too long to roll out governance. The reason why we, we, we waited this long is because we needed enough FTS in the market to allow enough users to actually vote. Because if we had rolled out governance within a month and there's only you know 700,000 FTS out, out there, that means only maybe one person has the opportunity to make proposals and, 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 and vote on them. But now that we're four months in, there's over 2 million FTS out there, which makes it a lot more easy for the community to make proposals and vote. Yes, absolutely. Um, because, I mean, if you did roll it out too soon, then you run the risk of having just one or two people still steer the entire course of the project. So, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, you got to <laughs> you, you have to definitely let enough votes get out into the marketplace for it to really work. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So putting putting the, the, the power into the in, into the community and not so much the, the whales that try to that try to dictate everything. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, we're really happy with the, the way things are going. Um, and our team has also been working on uh, launching Fortress on Polygon. Mm. Um, so we've been, we've been really happy with the way things have going uh, on Polygon because, like, you know, BSC is, is a wonderful blockchain, uh, a ton of great projects, a lot of great developers, fantastic community. Um, but on Polygon, what we're seeing is since it's a newer a newer DeFi market, um, it's a lot easier to kind of gain that market share. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're only seeing really like one or two projects that have the, the lending options um, on Polygon. So we, we feel that Fortress Polygon will, will be really strong. Um, and we're also going to be planning on, on bridging the FTS token from BSC to Polygon and allocating some of the daily distributions to uh, Fortress Polygon. Nice. Yeah, it's that's <laughs> there, there's so many dynamics to going cross chain, right? Whether you want to bridge, whether you want to mint a new token, and we've started with this big fervor to get on multiple chains by all the all the different crypto projects. But we we've seen kind of there's a decent body of evidence to show that if you go to a second chain and you use a second token. It, it can have a pretty detrimental effect uh, across the entire project. And whereas it seems like if you're bridging it over, um, it, it seems to keep it more stable. Well, what do you think about that? So we've, we've done it both ways. Um, uh, we launched, we launched jet swap on BSC uh, back in, back in May. Um, yeah. And we, we launched on, Polygon. It with, on BSC. 
Um, oh, in May. And then yeah, okay, so gotcha. so yeah, so we have we we have two AMMs now. We we have BSC uh, Jet Swap and then BSC uh, or uh, Polygon Jet Swap. Okay. Um, so we had made the decision to launch Wings on BSC, and the community wanted us to build on Polygon, so we we launched Jet Swap on uh, on Polygon. Um, and instead of bridging, we made the choice to make a, a, a new token called P Wings. Okay. Um, so basically, the exact same token that's on BSC, but it's it's a separate token for the blockchain. Um, you know, there's definitely pros and cons to launching versus bridging. Um, if you launch a new token, you have the possibility of much higher APYs and much higher mm-hmm. daily rewards for the community. Um, but then the, the the downside is is now you have to manage two tokens. Um, yes. So it's it is uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic because I know I know you guys uh, you you ended up bridging the the, the banana token over from yes. BSC to Polygon. Uh, we took the approach of making a new token. So I f- which I was feel- which was definitely uh, it seemed to be the the more deployed route. Um, I, I'd say that the 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 bridge bridging it over was definitely the minority in, in terms of like the rush and the fervor from from what i saw and this is just totally anecdotal in my personal experience it seemed like a lot of projects opted to go with the new token route yeah it is uh it is definitely a lot harder to manage um mm. because uh you get a lot more questions like what are these two tokens why are there, why are there two tokens then uh, then for partnerships, you have to you know manage both the, the BSC and the Polygon side. Um, I, I think now that we're we, we're over a month into it, I think um, I think things are going really well for the two tokens. But it was it was a lot more work than we anticipated to to kind of have both those tokens um, because it, it, it was it was pretty funny watching both the the BSC and the Polygon uh, wings tokens both kind of followed that same path, and now we're seeing like a, a, a leveling out of, of both tokens for both trading volume and for, and for the prices. Mm. Um, the, the, the wings token and the P wings token have actually pretty much gone to the same price. And sometimes P wings goes up. Sometimes the BSC wings goes up. Um, so it's, it's, it's been pretty interesting, but I, I, I do think both models work. You just have to you know, just, just like with, with anything, you just have to work hard and try to provide as, as much value to that token as possible. So with the with the launch of P Wings and now with Fortress going to Polygon, what was? Can you talk to me about the decision making process on bridging Fortress over rather than minting a, a P Fortress? Yeah, for sure. So the the different the, the major difference between the the Wings and P Wings and, and the FTS token is FTS is a fixed supply so there there's 10 million fts tokens and there will never be any more than 10 million whereas for wings and for p wings they're they're infinite supply just like banana or cake Mm -hmm. um so so we felt that having a fixed supply token um with an opportunity for lending on polygon it was it was better for the community and better for the project if we kept that token as one instead of making two tokens um we were looking at the success of you know ave and cream and 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 the other cross-chain projects for lending and uh we really liked what we saw with how they executed their their plan um 
So we're doing things a little bit differently where we're going to be probably bridging or we're, we're going to put it up for a vote, but I'm, I'm thinking probably 20 to 30% of the daily rewards will, will be bridged from BSC to Polygon. Um, but we, we feel, especially like long-term value, it was better to bridge it than to create a new token for Polygon. Makes, makes total sense. Um, one of the, okay, so... Uh, you know, I think when, when people are entrenched in crypto, a lot kind of gets taken for granted. And, and that, that comes into play in terms of like knowledge and wherewithal and capacity. So with this big, like the past, you know, four months, we've had this big rush of teams moving cross chain. And this is kind of a new environment for crypto where projects are running on two to three to four different uh, protocols themselves there aren't a ton of people that have been able to execute these strategies effectively and maintain longevity. So with having, you know, jet fuel and ApeSwap, we're, we're literally one of the few uh, projects that have been able to pull these things off. So I kind of want to pick your brain on Polygon. Um, Polygon, from my perspective, uh, it's, it's a very different user than BSC. And, we're, we're very spoiled in BSC to have availability of all the different majors, right? Whereas with Polygon, that stuff has to be bridged in, it has to be wrapped, there isn't a big sex bringing it into the ecosystem. So talk to me about what you guys have learned about Polygon and how it differentiates from BSC in any way possible. Yeah, sure. So, on 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 the the, the base level, Polygon and, and BSC are, are are very similar. Um, you know, they're both you know very fast blockchains, quick transaction times, very very cheap. Um, but we we've noticed there is a different. I feel like there's like a different mindset of of the investor when you go from BSC to Polygon. Um, so we've we've had to learn how to kind of cater better towards like the the Polygon investor. Um, we've seen it's it, it feels like the the faster the blockchain gets and the cheaper that the transactions get um the faster the attention span becomes for the average user um mm -hmm. because the the exit cost of that project is nothing it's it's minimal you know maybe maybe like one penny if if, if you're jacking the the gas costs all the way up so yeah. um if, if if somebody you know, once it goes somewhere else, there, there's no, there's no cost for them to leave. So they can just get out of it where, as opposed to Ethereum, you know, you might have, it, it might cost you $60 to harvest and, and to sell. Um, yeah. So that'll, that'll kind of keep your investor more sticky. Uh, so it's been, it's been interesting managing both communities because um, we found on Polygon things, things are moving a lot faster than the BSC. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're at the point now where the project's more matured. We're we're starting to gain a, a lot more partnerships and a lot more, a lot more win-win collaborations. Um, nice. So now we're able to to bring in more, more people to the community, um, and the the volatility has has really decreased, um, and, and and TVL has gotten to a point where now it's starting to rise again. So now we we feel like we're we're on the right track for Polygon. Um, you know, there's. There's so much opportunity on both BSC and Polygon. It's just a matter of making the plan, executing it, finding the right partners, and making sure that your your community is happy. Um, so hopefully that kind of answered your question. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely does. And I think that these insights that we can produce for people, you know, they're very valuable because maybe the listener is, is running their own project or thinking of starting their own project. And, and hopefully they can use these insights to their advantage in some, some way. Um, <clears throat> you know, Polygon, I had them on for the, the, the previous episode of Ape TV. And I was really, really impressed with um, their dedication. And, uh, you know, they, they've blown up. They've, they've grown far beyond anything they ever could have imagined. But their head's still down. And they're still, you know, looking ahead at new developments, ways to make everything more efficient, ways to further decentralize the protocol. And I think it gives them a real advantage because like you said, if you're transacting on base layer Ethereum, these transactions, like you have to think about, like, look, like there might be a lot of people in crypto where spending a hundred dollars to harvest something's not a big deal. Right. Uh, but that's not who we're really building out for. Right. Like we're building out for everyday users. So I think Polygon is attractive and I think that it'll continue to grow and get more users. And, you know, like you said, I think that the users are a bit different and, and they work. It's, it's almost like it's, it's a, a protocol for 2021 because everything's just zooming, right? It's, <laughs> right. It's just nonstop. Just, okay, this is new. Okay, good. What's next? This is new. Okay, good. What's next? And it's just that cycle over and over. And it's, it's really, you know, it's a lot for me because I'm an old, you know, old man, but uh, it's cool. It's cool to see. It's cool to see this stuff come up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's always interesting jumping into like some like telegram chats where, you know, people are like bragging, like, Oh, I got rugged twice last week. It's like, <laughs> Oh my God. But you know, the, the things that I'm, I'm really happy to see is like the established projects, you know, projects like ApeSwap or JetSwap, you know, projects that take a lot of care and a lot of effort into making sure that they have a safe environment for, for the user where the, the likelihood of, of exploit is, you know, close to. Yeah. The people who, who work that way end up being the most successful. And that's why I feel like, you know, our projects and a couple other projects are, are doing so well is because, you know, we, we, we definitely have the investor and the communities uh, in mind when we build, because the, the better you can build it, the more people that, that you can, you know, bring, bring to the, to the uh, uh, community, the, the stronger the overall project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed on Polygon is uh, they are not immune to exploits either. So that was actually a really good segue. Um, Poly Network. Um, so that happened this week. And so it was a huge hack. Uh, $600 plus million dollars worth of various cryptocurrencies. Apparently it could have been over a billion, uh, according to the exploiter. Um. <clears throat> What, what's the mindset of someone who hacks $600 million and then shit posts on chain about it? The mindset? Yeah. <laughs> yeah what's that? What is that mindset? Oh my God. <laughs> it, it's just, you know, I, I think he was trying to establish himself as more of like a white hat, white hat hacker. Mm. Uh, because he was just sending messages to himself, you know, first he was just kind of shit posting, you know, sending out like, yeah. like his, like his transaction costs would be in like, what was it? Like one, three, three, seven, like, in like, very, <laughs> like, that. like, he, yeah. like, like, like one guy said that his, his USDT got frozen. So then he sent him, 
like what's it like 13.37 eth is like a is like a tip <laughs> um so it's like it's like you have, you have somebody who's obviously very very smart and very very talented but also just a complete fucking troll troll <laughs> you know um yeah. So I, I, I believe looking at the news like yesterday or, or this morning that he did send back part of what he had, what he had stolen. Um, and looking at it, it, it looks like, you know, he, he saw the exploit and, you know, I guess wanted to help out and, and take the money out. So no one else, no one else would take it. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's like that interesting dilemma where it's like, if you if you tell somebody about what you discovered, maybe they're gonna steal it and they're gonna have bad intentions, right? Whereas right. if if you're like a truly like a, a white hat hacker, maybe you you take the funds, work with the team to fix the problems, and then return it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know whether this guy was, you know, legitimately trying to help, or maybe he discovered that by stealing all this money he is completely and utterly screwed for the rest of his life and can't return it <laughs> uh, because there, there's no way you can get that much money out you know you're right. you're trapped forever so that's that's the the, the the thing with crypto is like if you discover an exploit and you tell somebody about it they might they might steal it so what do you what do you do in like, in like that that situation um so it's it's just it's overall you know terrible terrible situation for both poly network and the overall crypto environment and just the average you know everyday investor because you know when you have a, a protocol like poly network which you know seemed to be the most secure as, as ever um, he found some very very creative way to get in and basically call the contract as the owner it's crazy you know. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, the attacks are, are definitely getting even more exotic now. And um, I guess for, for me, like, we have the experience with the lottery. Um, so there was an exploit in the code for our lottery, and it was brought to our attention by ImmuneFi. Um, and it was actually on reference from PancakeSwap. And um, so what happened was a white hat had found the exploit in PCS's lottery code, and then they went ahead and they, they reached out to every team that had it deployed. And so you see that process as like a, an example of a white hat, right? And so that person could have exploited all the different BSC lottos and had millions and millions of dollars of crypto, but now he's a fugitive, right? Yeah. And so... Instead, what he did was he brought it to attention and he was rewarded handsomely by everybody. I think, you know, there was probably like five or six different teams that that, uh, you know, paid a bounty to him for it. And so there's that process that you see. Right. And so you see people that want to help and they want to protect the environment. But, they, you know, at no point did the person who found this exploit go on chain and start shitposting about it. So the situation is really weird for me. And it might have been regret. Um, it, might, it might have been a quick realization that, oh, boy, I really screwed up. And maybe this is the way to backtrack it. Uh, maybe it was something on the inside. I don't know. But it's, it's one of the strangest exploits I've seen. And I don't know that I'm going to see a lot come after it. It's going to top it because the situation is just super bizarre. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I hope we don't see anything larger than that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> terrible. Um, but yeah, to, to kind of go back to your, to your thing about the, the, the lottery, um, you know, when, when we were, when we were getting ready for ours as well, we, we had seen, um, basically what had happened with the, the whole ex- exploit for the, for the lottery. So, uh, we, we had adopted the, the chain link, uh, VRF, the, mm. the verified random, verified random something. I can't remember yeah. what it was called. Um, Function, I think, I'm not sure. uh, something no, like that. Yeah, it's something like that. I know. What yeah. You're uh, Cause we use it for our non-fungible ape draws. Yeah, yeah. So basically, like, like using using chain links uh, for like randomness, um, and because we we knew that we could never adopt, you know, pancake swaps lottery because of, mm-hmm. of, of that risk of of, of, of exploit. So, um, you know, that that kind of goes back to our our original basically conservative values, like you know, find the best code that works properly and then adopt it. So that way, you know, hopefully we never have to redeploy something uh, because of, of, of something going wrong. Um, but I, I think a, a lot of other projects are now adopting the, 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 the chain link model. Uh, looks like, looks like PancakeSwap also adopted the, the, the VRF, um, as well. So it's, it's, it's good to see, you know, people, uh, catching on to the exploit and then fixing it and then, and then re, re- redeploying that in a, in a safer manner. Yeah. So, well, that was, that was quite a bit about Polygon. Um, so now let's, let's talk about home base. Let's talk about BSC. Yeah. Um, in the four months since our last conversation, hundreds of projects have risen and fallen. <laughs> and and they've, they've fallen either through their own mistakes, through exploits, through lack of interest, through poor communication from the project team itself. So what are your thoughts about just BSC as kind of an ecosystem itself? What are your thoughts on what's happened in BSC the past four months? So BSC is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's nowhere else you can go to get the level of support and the and the quality of investors than BSC. Um, you know, the, the 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 main reason being, you know, obviously Binance has supported all the projects that can get support from them. It's been amazing to see the MVP program go out. Mm-hmm. Um, these projects, you know, that are are building 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 really really good protocols and then they're getting on Binance and they're getting on Coinbase and it's, it's, it's great to see. Um, so, you know, I think, I think if you're, if you're building, you know, BSC is a fantastic place to go because the, the, the TVL is really high. It's EVM compatible. So it, it's pretty easy to deploy contracts. Um, and you have that massive support from Binance uh, to help your project grow. So I think, yeah. I think BSC is just, you know, phenomenal. Yeah, agreed. And um, we're, we're in such, you know, I've known it for a long time, but we're in such an advantageous position with the availability of coins in our ecosystem. Um, it's just really hard to replicate that. And so like a Solana could do it and maybe a Casey, uh, KuCoin could do it. Um, but that's about it. <laughs> because if you don't have the actual real assets to trade on the back end, it's super hard to maintain a peg. Um so, yeah, BSC is definitely, and in terms of the support, right? And I think that we're seeing that come up a lot and we're seeing kind of the sustainability of just community-orientated projects within BSC. So whether that's like a FEG or whether that's like one of our, our uh, previous guests, Moonlight Token, um, 
there's it's really collaborative and and i really really like the scene and i obviously super bullish on its future so i share that sentiment a lot we we've seen exploits taper off a bit in bsc is that because the uh the herd's been thin already or are we just in a lull before it comes back around <laughs> uh i i think what's happening is code's getting better uh you know you know maybe like those like malicious guys are starting to realize that it's getting a lot harder to you know maybe get the money out i don't i don't know but it it, it is it is good to see less exploits on bsc um but you know hopefully you know people keep keep building and keep making new projects um and just keep promoting their their communities uh you know now that the, the space is a little bit more saturated um it is it is harder for new projects to to break in and to gain success because um, you know when there's 90 new projects starting per day it's like what do you what do you end up choosing um, mm -hmm. you know ev everybody says that they're safe and they're audited blah 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 but like you really need to back it up um, which I think I think what 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 you guys are, are doing with your 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 build program and then what what we're doing with our incentive program um, you know basically like we're both trying to find you know, competent teams, ethical teams, trying to trying to find these projects, trying to build them up with great tokenomics to come into our ecosystem and to basically make BSC and, and Polygon better for everybody. Because mm. um, I know I, I know you guys have have had tr tremendous success with your program for for yeah. you, you guys are up to what seven projects now? <clears throat> yeah, I think I think there's there's definitely at least five graduates and um, <clears throat> you know, crypto blades being a bill graduate, being an MVB and the type of success that, that they've had um, you know, that's like exactly what we envisioned <laughs> yeah. and, and it's everything you could have dreamed of. And it's super, super hard to replicate something like that, but it, at least we can say we did it right. Like we rolled out this build program specifically for a project like crypto blades to come through it and just turn into an absolute banger and so we're we're obviously we're hoping that dragon area our newest io follows that same kind of path yeah that's that's fantastic man props to you guys um thank you, you know we've 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 really been inspired by the success of your of, of your program um you know it was always our intention to have a, a, a similar program since we started day one um, and now we're finally starting to roll it out. We have, we have a couple of projects that we're onboarding now. Um, so it's, it's, it's just great to see that, you know, projects are, you know, working to build other projects up because that's how everybody yeah. be, becomes successful. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Like when we work together, we win. Mm -hmm. uh, we might not, we might not like it <laughs> all the time, <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, like when we work together and collaborate, like everything just gets better. The experience, the, you know, the, the, the illustrious token price, the TVL, the liquidity, like just everything, just all around uh, community vibe and just their their attitude and approach. Like, it's just a boom for everybody. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan. And well, on that note, one of the big gaps that OK, so we've seen BSC have more transactions than Ethereum. Um, we haven't seen them overtake TVL, but you know, VCs haven't been parking funds in BSC for years to kind of supplement that. But we see BSC having more transactions. Uh, we see BSC having more users than Ethereum. The biggest gap I see right now between BSC and Ethereum 
is the volume and transacting of NFTs. Um, billions of dollars are traded on <laughs> Ethereum for NFTs all the time. And I, I think that our non-fungible apes are one of the more successful NFT projects in BSC. And I think the lifetime transaction volume is about 40 million. So as we go through the end of this year, and as the market kind of has this bullish sentiment again, what are your expectations for NFTs within BSC? Are they going to get to Ethereum status? Uh, are they going to exceed it with the kind of implementation within the games? Because you couldn't really do a blockchain-based game on Ethereum. There's no way you could do it with gas. <laughs> so <laughs> so is, it, is, is this the, the secret for BSC to overtake Ethereum and NFTs? Is it, is it via gaming? Oh, man. I wish I had a great answer for you. Um, yeah. You know, the NFT market is something that I've, I've, I've tried to wrap my head around. I just, <laughs> I, 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 I don't fully understand it. I know it's so fucking hot, but I just, mm, I'm trying so hard is. to understand it. But uh, so based on my, on my very limited knowledge base of NFTs, um, I think that the big thing that Ethereum has is uh, they, they, they had a couple projects that launched, you know, 2017 CryptoPunks, uh, the pet rock, um, mm. which are selling for $200,000 a piece right now. <laughs> un <laughs> unbelievable. Um, UD socks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, crazy, crazy stuff. So, uh, I think Ethereum, especially since they were like the first, uh, to make NFTs years ago, um, those older, more rare NFTs are picking up a lot of steam. Um, and they also have OpenSea, you know, OpenSea is like the, the go-to place for NFT trading. Um, nice. I think since BSC is so new and there, I, I really don't believe there's like a bridge, like an NFT bridge yet, or one yeah. that's like very popular. Um, I think if there could be like a really strong NFT bridge and a marketplace similar to OpenSea on, on BSC, I think that's what's going to take the NFT market um, to, to the next level. Um, because, you know, while we have the, the, the gaming going on, which is really, really cool. Um, I don't think we're going to see like the price actions we'll see on BSC until, you know, that marketplace and the bridge is like fully developed. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yeah, total makes total sense. And you also, you just have to wait <laughs> because yeah. people, people are treating NFTs like collectibles. So, you know, over time, the market develops itself and, and people identify, you know, what's in high demand, what's in low demand. So it's definitely a process. Um, I think that the gaming element might kick things up a notch because most of the Ethereum NFTs, they don't do anything other than uh, accrue value, right? So right. it's not like you can use your NFT in-game for an advantage and then turn around and sell it in the aftermarket after you complete the match that you wanted to complete. Like, you just don't have those dynamics. So I'm really interested. I'm really interested to see what it does because, you know, we're going we're gonna to see, I think personally, we'll see a lot more integration of NFT via fractional ownership, via staking, via funding, potentially liquidity. Um, so, uh, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. I, I was before this year, I was never an NFT guy. Um, but I've, I've actually warmed up quite a lot. Yeah. You know, you, you see some NFTs and you're like, I 
gotta have that and like you just really <laughs> want to buy because because the artwork is so cool yeah. um and you know you, you can verify that that is the only piece that's ever been that's ever made so it's you know the nft is, is definitely definitely something really interesting um but i don't i don't see i don't see nfts losing steam i think the sky's the limit for bsc um mm. you know we're actually in the process of, of developing our, our own our own nft series as well Oh, nice uh yeah we we, we kind of leaked it yesterday on twitter uh so we're adopting um a a ten thousand piece collection with 200 different attributes uh we're using a, a well really well-known uh designer and artist uh in, in the bsc space to help us make it uh so we're not we're not too sure how we're going to deploy that NFT yet. You know, maybe we're going to do some on OpenSea, maybe we're going to do you know some on Ethereum, some on BSC, some on Polygon. Um, we really haven't figured out how we're going to deploy those NFTs yet, uh, yeah. but we're we're seeing the artwork and it's really really great. Uh, so we're we're pretty excited for it. Oh, that's really cool. And I love that you said that you're working with an established NFT artist because that indicates that these people are becoming a thing. And uh, in the future, that might, you know, like the artists that you're working with now in three to five years, they might be the, the most premier NFT artist the world's ever seen. And, you know, here you are three years ago, you know, you, you helped get them to that point. So, you know, it's just, it's really exciting, man. It, I just get so amped up and so Jones for everything we do in this space. And that's why, you know, it's, it's really easy to be in it um, just because there's that natural enthusiasm that's, that's kind of everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's been great. You know, every, the, the, the crypto space moves so quickly that if you have the, the team to, to back up the project, you know, you can, you can work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop <laughs> yep. and just keep going and going and going, which is pretty much what ApeSwap has done and what JetSwap has done since day one is like the work, the work never ends seven days a week. No. You're, you're on vacation <laughs> in the pool. You're still looking, looking at your phone, getting work done, <laughs> you know, you can't get away. Yep. Yeah, I recently took a vacation in, uh, we were in Montana, so there weren't very many times that we had service, but the few times that we did have service, if I pulled out the phone, I just kind of look over at my wife and I could just, I could feel her eyes on me. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, Same. like, it's like, it's like, you know, like, I, I, it's not that, you know, I don't like want to give all my attention to you. It's just like, this is really interesting. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Work calls. Yeah, we're, duty calls. So yeah. looking through to the end of the year, what are your expectations for BSC? Where are we going to be at a protocol level? Are we going to be the number one platform for DeFi, number three, number 10? Like, what, where are we going ahead, uh, for BSC? Yeah, so, you know, what what we've seen, uh, I think, when, when BSC first started was there was a lot of um, a lot of development happening on, on Ethereum, and then, and then basically the, the, the code base would get forked, and then deployed on, on BSC. Um, so I, I think really what we need to see for for BSC to really truly be the number one DeFi protocol is um, those smart, talented devs building on, on BSC. And then that, that that code, instead of being forked from ETH to BSC, it goes from BSC to ETH, to Polygon, wherever. Mm. Um, so I, I think if, if, if we can see the innovation that we've seen on Ethereum happen on Binance Smart Chain, I think that's going to that's gonna take it to the, the the protocol to be on, on DeFi, um, so that's that's my opinion of it. I mean, you know, as as long as the the crypto market doesn't 
doesn't crash and go into a nasty, nasty bear market. Um, you know, TVLs will keep going up. The project qualities will keep going up. Um, and the influx of investors and in the community will also keep rising. Um, cause you know, it, it seems like every time you, you see more articles and Forbes or CNN or, you know, Wall Street Journal, whatever about, about DeFi, you know, more and more people come in. So, yeah. um, you know, as, as long as people keep building, you know, things will be, things will be great. But uh, by the end of the year, maybe maybe we see a, a TVL doubling. Um, mm-hmm. Transactional probably will go, up, you know, three to five X from here as, as, as more people come in. Yeah. And it gets uh, it, I almost miss the days when the network was so congested. You couldn't do a swap. <laughs> oh, oh my god i know having having to bump your gas from five to ten <laughs> yeah i know like could you imagine paying 10 way for this like, yeah oh. <laughs> well you know i would agree and i think that we're we're gonna see more and more native building on bsc um we actually we have a bit of experience with that with buy shares and them launching out their index funds uh, but yeah like just totally coded within bsc using solidity just native projects launching and then that code base gets forked outward like yeah i think that's super super bullish and that's kind of the key to being home uh for DeFi. right yeah absolutely so how are u.s regulars gonna ruin this for all of us (laughs) there was so so it was it was interesting that that the infrastructure bill uh one of the the key roadblocks was actually cryptocurrencies Mm -hmm. um well mainly because the whoever proposed the original language just completely butchered it where it would basically make every single person who interacts with a blockchain, like a, like a broker, right. Yeah. Which would yeah. give them impossible reporting requirements that for, with information they can never get or never, ever obtain. Right. Um, and there was so much back and forth. I, I don't, I don't know where it exactly ended up. Um, but it, it, you know, my opinion is, you know, I think it is time where more established rules are, you know, put around cryptocurrencies, but you have to do it in, in the right way because, you know, crypto tokens and crypto coins, they're not stocks, you know, yeah. most of them don't give you any kind of ownership rights or any kind of dividend rights or any kind of, any kind of rights really, uh, except for, except for the ones that, you know, established gov- like governance and like, and like a DAO. So the, the rules around cryptocurrency and like the, the fundamentals are completely different. So, you need to have smart legislators actually building out a proper framework to regulate the market and not just trying to stick on, you know, regulations from the 1920s and thirties on a market that frankly doesn't, doesn't transition well. Um, So, you know, my, my goal is like, obviously uh, there's a couple, a couple senators out there, a couple of people in the house that know how to do it. Hopefully, you know, the rest of the, of the, you know, Senate and whatever, listen to them. Um, because if it doesn't happen, you know, then, you know, people just move overseas, you know, Malta, mm-hmm. Singapore, Hong Kong, wherever, um, to establish their, their, their DeFi protocols there. And, um, you know, what I, what I could see happening is, is if, if this legislation truly comes into effect, um, every single project will have to put up, you know, geofencing, excluding us DeFi investors, uh, which would just hurt the overall market. Yeah, it would hurt the overall market and the American economy can't take it. Um, If you look at the politicians, you know, they absolutely bungled the Corona response for over a year. 
Um, they have absolutely destroyed our monetary policy with printing, 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 printing to subsidize uh, funding for these large, you know, ex- organizations and these these higher level executives. Um, they don't. If this is an infrastructure bill, I would take it as this is meant to encourage infrastructure development, not deter it. So I think that it's just more of the same, right? Double speak, that, that kind of Orwellian norm- nomenclature where, you know, Ministry of Love is where they torture people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the infrastructure bill is where they go to ruin it, right? right. Um, because we are going to be increasingly more digital in terms of our work, pl- our work uh, places. And <clears throat> so as people get forced out of the job market, is people as the job as the job market doesn't pay wages enough to sustain life, people are going to more and more look to online for ways to earn an income and live and sustain themselves. So this was a really, really, really good opportunity to show Americans that they want to help facilitate uh, kind of the transition to this new digital world. Uh, but instead, you know, it's just more of the same. Uh, they're just protecting their interests. Um, they're protecting their backers, their financial backers, the people that are paying them millions of dollars to do speeches. They're just guarding their interests. And I am almost to the point where, like, we just need to abandon them entirely because they do nothing right. And, like, all the money I've paid into Social, social Security, for example, it's all worthless right now. I'll never see a dime of it. Uh, because there's no way the U.S. dollar is going to make it for another 20 years after what they've done to it. So, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really let down. And I, I'm really, I really wish that things didn't have to be so upside down and backwards all the time. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, things are, things are crazy. Uh, you know, with the, the, the promotion of like social media, uh, it seems like the politicians with the, the loudest voice get, a lot of attention, uh, which unfortunately really isn't the way politics should be. Um, but on there is a, there is a, a, a silver lining, um, you know, as far as the, the crypto legislation goes, there is time before, you know, everything is finalized and, and it goes into effect. I, I think, I think that the, the bill was calling for like 2023 is like when they would, would, would roll it out. So, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully in the next two years, uh, they can fix this just, astronomical clusterfuck of a bill that, that they put together and, you know, make it actually applicable and realistic for, for, for DeFi and for cryptocurrencies. Yeah. I guess I'm just, to, just super skeptical that anything, anything good will be added. I mean, it's always good to hope for the best and envision a positive outcome, but I've already kind of transitioned my thought process to places like El Salvador. So let's say the U S comes out with this real stringent legislation and let's say they basically neuter and kill DeFi entirely in the United States. It just goes away. The countries like El Salvador and the countries that take that El Salvadorian model uh, in terms of facilitating and encouraging cryptocurrency use, these are going to be powerhouses in 20, 30 years, right? Yeah. You know, you, you look at, you, you look at some of those like city states like you know Singapore and and Hong Kong and you know the, the other ones um, 
you know, they they pretty much were free trade and they had a really large emphasis on, on finance. Um, so if you could have, you know, the, those areas that, you know, want to promote like the, the, the cryptocurrency um, financial markets, you know, they could become huge because, you know, they could have billions of dollars of, of trading volume, billions of dollars worth of, of, of investment. Um, and it can it can really take their economy and the well-being of that nation to the to the next level. Um, yeah. So, you know, who knows where El Salvador will go? But I feel like if, if they can adopt some really friendly, you know, regulations and, and markets for crypto, uh, you know, they they could definitely become a powerhouse, like you said, in, in like 20, 30 years. Right. And so now who is who's the so El Salvador, you know, and I'm, I'm using them because they were the first like Bitcoin's legal tender. You can use it uh, with promotion of the government. So, you know, they don't as far as I know it, they don't have any real DeFi framework, but they seem like the country that would be the first to be like, yeah, come in, <laughs> come in, make your smart contracts, fund, let people fund liquidity like it's all good, you know. Um, and so I'm looking at like kind of like that that second tier world country that is going to just look at what's happening because, you know, if we're going to do it here, they'll do it in the European Union. And so if if you're talking about an exodus of developers and project managers and project leaders into like one area, um, I just I, I'm just kind of like, you know, the, the, when a door closes, a window opens. So right. uh, I feel like the door is closing here on the states for DeFi in this regard. And I, I'm just kind of looking ahead and, and I'm, I'm hoping that there are multiple countries that open up their arms and open up the doors and say, hey, come on in. Um, because I think that those are going to be the countries that are, are at the cutting edge of fintech and finance. Because this antiquated model of the stock exchange and issuing all your shares through Goldman Sachs and every company has to issue their shares through an investment license investment. Like it sucks. It's just a wall garden. It's gate kept. And it's really just meant to keep the people who are already entrenched rich. So it's a big scam. Like let's not pretend that regulators for the every man, they screw the every man over and they protect the interest of the people that give them money. So Sorry, I'm kind of ranting now, but, <laughs> but it's just I, I, I want I want some countries to step up to the plate and welcome us with open arms so we can go there and we can just build, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, agree with you there. Um, so who who knows what, what's going to happen? Um, you know, I, I also think that that's one of the reasons why cryptocurrency has been become so popular, because like like you said about that, that like walled garden, like. You know, unless you're an accredited investor in the U.S., you, you really won't have access to those, those IPOs or maybe mm -hmm. private, private, private placement deals where you can get access to, you know, promising startups and, you know, buy some stock at, at a low price and then they IPO and then the stock goes up 20x. Yeah. Um, you know, th that's probably one of the reasons why crypto has become so popular is because there, there are not those those gates that are put up around these projects. It's just like regardless if you have $10 or $50 million, you most likely have the same opportunity to get in at, at the same level. Um, and, you know, you don't have those, those, you know, roadblocks in, in the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I couldn't get into Uber IPO or Lyft or Airbnb or anything like that. Like it's literally, it's all backdoor deals. And then by the time it gets to the secondary market where us plebes can trade it, 
It's been issued by the company. It's been bought by an investment bank. It's been sold in the primary bar- primary market by an investment bank to an accredited investor. And then when it finally hits retail, you're the fourth layer of getting dumped. Fourth, and that's or, your f- fourth yeah. or eighth layer. Fourth <laughs> or eighth know, layer. And that's, yeah. that's your first opportunity, you know? And so, yeah, like you might be able to buy it and, oh, I'm just going to hold it for 10 years and it's not a big deal. But like realistically, like people aren't wired like that. Like 10 years in the modern age might as well be like 50 years back in the day. Right. <laughs> and so, where it, so like with, with our recent uh, launch, Dragonary, right? So, okay, it's an it's a on-chain game or it's not on-chain, but it's an it's a NFT-based game. And if they went and they wanted to launch on like a NYSE or a NASDAQ, it would take forever. And it would take months and years of preparation and legal documentation and all this other crap. And then it might flop when it gets out there. But they launched from ApeSwap. They instantly have over 100,000 daily active users using their game. You know, they raised, I think, 9,000% over subscription. And everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. Everybody's playing the game and everybody's enjoying it. And it was facilitated in this entirely permissionless, decentralized environment, and no one got hurt. Like, so don't tell me that Janet Yellen is going to come in and make this arrangement better, right? Like, she doesn't even understand it. So how on earth could she make it more efficient or more safe or more secure? Like, she just can't. So... Well, <laughs> yeah, on, that, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> yeah, yeah, on that note, it's probably a good, it's probably a good time to to wrap up. Um, I do appreciate you coming back on and, and having these types of conversations uh, because I just I love it. I love the high level high level talk and really kind of diving into the bigger issues that face our protocols, that, that face our projects, that face our entire industry. And so I really, really do appreciate you coming back on, Miro. Absolutely, man. Yeah, thanks for ha- having me back. I, I always love jumping on here. So uh, hopefully next time it it won't be four months. We can we can you know, <laughs> we, we can do sooner. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I'll definitely you know I'll, I'll when we do our Twitter Spaces and those types of things, by all means, come in and join too. Absolutely, yeah. Br- bring me back on. Yeah, for sure, Miro. All right. Well, you apes, you have a great day. Thank you for your ears and your time, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>